Let me tell you a little something about Anchor. This is, of course, where we're hosting this podcast, and the best thing about it is it is free, so it's not costing our church a dime. They have tools right there on the website that I can upload the sermons, I can record a quick little introduction, and put it out there. Anchor distributes everything for me. They've got it on Spotify, they've got it on Apple, they've got it on Google, they've just sent it everywhere. Uh, We're actually able to have no minimum listenership required for us to have some money put in by doing these advertisements that we can put right into the church. So if you want to make a podcast and you're not sure how to get started, just go to anchor.fm and you can also download their free Anchor app and it'll have everything you need to get started right away. So why are you wasting time? Get after it. If you want to start your podcast, anchor.fm is an easy and quick way to get started. Hello and welcome to the Moment of Truth Bible Baptist Church podcast, where we are playing sermons from our pastor, Philip Kuntz. We invite you to visit us at 310 Randolph Road here in Kansas City, Missouri. We'd love to have you in church. We're there every Sunday. Sunday school starts at 930. Regular services start at 11 every Sunday. And we invite you, of course, to come and visit us and enjoy, of course, this sermon. This is from a sermon called Why Me, Lord, and it was preached originally on March 29th of 2020. And now, here is Philip Kuntz. As we come together here today in the house of the Lord, let's now turn to the book of Matthew. Of course, this is the first book in the New Testament, the book of Matthew. And we're going to go to the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. We're going to read verses 44 and 45. And while you're looking that up, I'm going to pray as we start off today's sermon. And let's do that now. You go ahead and look that up. Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 45, and I'm going to pray. Dear precious Heavenly Father, as we come to you again today, I thank you again. Thank you for allowing us to be here in your house. I know that's a blessing. One that I didn't even know I'd be able to be here today for one. And thank you, Lord God, for always giving us what we need, always. Thank you, Lord, for always being with us, never leaving us alone. It's a promise you've given us, and you continue to give us daily, momently, Lord. Lord God, thank you, Lord, for strengthening us when we feel weak. Thank you, Lord God, for always giving us exactly what we need when we need it to, Lord God. Even though we don't think we always have it, but we do. Lord God, I pray right now you open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word and to strengthen us throughout this very troubling time in our lives. Lord, we pray this in your holy name. Amen and amen. So for those of you who are at home, this is usually where I ask the people of the church to stand to honor the reading of his word. And if you want to do that at home, you can. You don't have to, but we're doing that here. So if you please stand to honor the reading of his word. But as we read Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 45. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. 
God bless and honor the reading of his word and you may be seated. You know, I was born in 1976, and so a lot of the things that I enjoyed as a child uh, may not connect to you. Maybe it does. But in 1982, I was six years old in August, and I remember being blessed as my parents asked me what we wanted to do, what we wanted to go see. And there was a film that I'd been hearing about. I went and saw this movie on my sixth birthday uh, about an alien called E.T., the extraterrestrial. And I was very, very excited about this. We went and saw this movie, E.T., and I loved it. It's still one of my favorite movies, actually. I love E.T. But I remember being very excited because there was a, at the time, Atari was very, very big. Atari 2600 was very, very huge. And so they were commercialing that they were going to make a game about E.T. And I was very excited about this game because there was nothing better than bringing the movie home and we did, man. We'd have toys of different movies, not a lot. We'd get a couple of toys or books or whatever. But there was nothing quite like being able to play a video game of a movie that was out. Well, you have to understand these video games weren't that great, but for the time they were wonderful. But this video game really wasn't that great. It just wasn't. They didn't do very well. And in fact, the problem I had with this video game myself, first of all, I'm not that great at video games. I like them, but they're not, I'm not good at them. I remember in this video game in particular, there was a lot of pits, a lot of holes. I, every time I tried to play, I'd fall in the hole. And that's where I would be stuck in a hole. Every time I would think I was out of a hole, I'd fall back in again. And that's where I was in the whole game. I'd fall in this pit. Now, consequently, and maybe it was just his fate. I don't know. That's where this game ended up being. It ended up being a great big hole because in, uh, I believe it was New Mexico, uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong about that, but it was in New Mexico. They ended up making a great big hole, great big pit for all these games. It didn't sell well. It ended up, in fact, messing up Atari and ruining it forever. But they ended up making a great big pit, a hole, a junky hole for it, and putting all these games in there. Maybe it was fate. I don't know, but that's what happened to me. I was stuck in a pit in that game, and sometimes in life we feel that way. We feel like we're stuck in a hole we can't ever get out. That's how it feels for us sometimes. Now, I'm using this as an example because that's how we feel a lot of times. We feel like we're stuck in a hole, and no matter what we try, we can't get out of that hole. We try everything that we're allowed to try, and we can't get out of that hole. And then we feel like it's our fault, and we can't get out of this hole. And then we fall into a whole other pit, a pit of despair. And the title of today's sermon is, Why Me, Lord? Because that's the question we ask, Why Me, Lord? And so, as I sometimes do mention, that we go through things emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. And so, therefore, we sometimes go through these pits of despair in these ways. Emotionally, of course, we go through this. Physically, sometimes. Mentally, absolutely. And yes, even sometimes spiritually. Why me, Lord? Why? And we are stuck in the pits of despair. Can't get out of these pits. Can't get out of them. And we ask this question. What did I do to cause these things to happen to me? What did I do? There's a lot of people asking this right now. What have I done? to cause myself to go through the things I'm going through right now. Well, the fact of the matter is, is maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. There's a lot of things that we've done. What didn't I do, we might ask. Well, the fact is, is if we're disobedient to God, we have to pay for it. We know that. And if we have been obedient, sometimes we go through problems anyway. This is the way it is in life. It happens all the time. If we're disobedient to God, we know when we're disobedient. We know that. People don't have to tell us because we already know. We know deep in our heart because the Holy Spirit tells us when we're being disobedient. We know that. 
a lot of times we say, did I do something wrong? And then we say, well, God must be getting on to me. God must be making me pay for that. And sometimes it's not God, by the way. Sometimes things are just going to happen in life. Sometimes people have this notion that once you're saved, everything is going to be, you know, wonderful. Peaches and cream. God doesn't promise us that. We just saw in the scripture we just read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, what, excuse me, verse 44 and 45, it says that things are going to happen. I'm going to uh, paraphrase here a little bit, but I'm still going to be reading to you again. Now, verse 45 here, what it says that God makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, good and bad is going to happen to those who follow God and those who don't. Well, this doesn't seem fair. What's the point of following God if good and bad is going to happen to everybody? Well, the fact of the matter is, is you don't have to follow God, but you'll be sorry if you don't. You'll be sorry if you don't, because you'll have worse happen to you in the long run and everlastingly if you don't follow God. It's better to follow the Lord God. And yes, there's going to be times you're going to say, why me, Lord? These things are going to happen. Sometimes if you do everything right, things are going to go wrong. And in fact, I can tell you this, sometimes that's why things go wrong. And you may say, why is that? Why is that? Sometimes it's because the times we live in. Sometimes it's because the society we live in. In fact, I would, I would dare say to you, sometimes whenever things go wrong because you are following God, that should in some ways, ways it could be a pat on the back that you're doing exactly what's right and that the enemy is attacking you. I dare tell you today, that sometimes whenever you are being treated and mistreated, when you're being treated wrong and mistreated, that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it. Have you ever been treated incorrectly from people at your work? Are people at your school? Are people in your family because you remind them of the Lord Jesus? I guarantee you are. It's going to happen. It's happened. Maybe it's happening right now. Maybe they don't want to hear from you because you remind them of the Lord God. But I will tell you this. Continue to follow God. Continue to be obedient no matter what. Now, if you've done something that's wrong, God's going to tell you, get it right. Get it right with him right now. He's going to remind you. You're going to know. I know God has shown me. There's things even recently the Lord showed me, get this right. Get this obedient. And he's done it. He's done it. And I've gotten it right. But now if there's things that need to be taken care of, he'll show you. You know, you know, you know that you know. The Holy Spirit showing you those things. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But let's look at a few scriptures, just a few, just a few. And it says this in Deuteronomy 31.6. And I talked about this last week. For those of you who were with me here, we saw in Deuteronomy 31.6, what does it say? It says, be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, it is he who goes with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. And what does that mean? What does it mean? It means he's always with you. God is always with you. He never leaves you. Never. Never forsakes you. He's with you wherever you go. Even when the people of the world, even when they're not with you, when they're against you, God's with you. So remember that when your family, when your quote unquote friends, when the people you work with, wherever you're at in the world, whenever the government or whoever it is mistreats you, God is with you. But you might think to yourself, but this is just this is just things in the Old Testament. This is just for the people of Moses and others who are coming out of Egypt. But when I hang on, because after that, let's look what happens again when Joshua was going into the promised land. Let's, let's see what it says there. Joshua 1.9. This gets repeated again. 
Here we go. Joshua 1, verse 9. It says, Have not I commanded you, by the way, this is the Lord God saying it, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's being repeated again. It wasn't just a once. It comes again. But pastor, those are Old Testament. Those are Old Testament. That doesn't count anymore. But by the way, Old Testament is not erased. Okay? Sometimes people like to say that. Oh, it's Old Testament. We don't. Okay, but in case you're one of those who seem to think that, and incidentally, you're wrong. But in case you do think that, I got something else for you. Let's go to Hebrews now. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Who wrote the book of Hebrews? No one knows absolutely for certain, because it does not say... I personally believe it was Paul. Nobody knows for sure. I believe it was. Doesn't really matter. I have reasons to believe that. It doesn't matter. You might think, oh, I don't think so. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it's good. It's a good book. Book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Let your lives be without love of money. People need to remember that. Let your lives be without love of money and be content with the things you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. This is so vitally important right now. Vitally important. All of this, all of this right here is so vitally important at this moment of our lives. Yes, so vitally important. Said back to the people of Israel. So vitally important. After Christ had come, after he had gone. So important. And we can take it and put it into our lives as Christians. So important. Very important. Yes. This can no longer be said that it was only then back before Christ, because after Christ as well. What did Jeremiah say? Well, Jeremiah said an awful lot, but let's see what Jeremiah said. That, and it connects to this. What does it say in Jeremiah 14, 9? I know I, I throw a lot of scriptures out there, but there's a reason for that. It's important to know the word. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that I have it all memorized because I don't. I don't, but I have to study a lot. And it's good to have the word with you continuously. Jeremiah, verse 14. Excuse me, chapter 14, verse 9. I apologize about that. Jeremiah, chapter 14, verse 9. Jeremiah says this. Why should you, by the way, he's talking to God here. He says, why should you be as a man dismayed, as a mighty man who cannot save? Yet you, O Lord, are in our midst and we are called by your name. Do not forsake us. He's saying, do not forget us. Do not leave us. And we know that God does not. But seeing how you brought up Jeremiah, thank you for doing that, by the way. Jeremiah is a wonderful example of one who may have thought, why me, Lord? Jeremiah is one who was forgotten many times or so it might have appeared. And it probably did because Jeremiah was one who had a wonderful ministry, a wonderful testimony, a wonderful mission from the Lord God. He most certainly did. Let me talk to you just a minute about Jeremiah. I say just a minute. It's going to take more than just a minute because we have a lot to cover with Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Now, this does not make him a wimp. It makes him anything but a wimp. And incidentally, if there are any men out there right now, if there are any men who are watching this and think that real men don't cry, I beg to differ for Jesus wept. But not just that, this man was a real man and he went through an awful lot. The weeping prophet, he's also known as the lone spokesman for God. He went 
through so much. He had a 40-year ministry. He spoke to Judah. He urged them, urged them for the Lord God. God spoke through him and to him. And he spoke to Judah and told them to submit, not just submit to the word of God, but to submit to Babylon. Now, now granted, this is not something that someone wants to hear. If you were the people of Judah, the land of Judah, of Jerusalem and all, and you were told to submit and give in to the people of Babylon and, and surrender, you wouldn't want to hear that. You would, it would sound so negative. And nowadays, nobody wants to hear anything negative, even as honest as it might be. But the reason that they were told to submit was because they had not submitted to God the whole time. They had not given unto the Lord God in his word. The whole time they had not been submissive and obedient to the Lord God. Now, this is the truth. When we are not obedient to God, then we give ourselves to the ways of sin. And when we give ourselves to the ways of sin, then we have coming whatever we've already given ourselves to. So therefore, these people of Judah deserved what they got. And God said, if you want your way, have it. And that's what he was saying. Go ahead. You want to be submissive to sin? You want to be submissive to your way of disobedience? Here you go. I'm going to let you have it. And because of that, you're going to be taken and you're going to be slaves. And that's what they were for a very long time. And that's exactly what God was saying. You're going to be taken. And so therefore, through Jeremiah, can you imagine what poor Jeremiah had to go through for 40 years talking to these people? They hated him. They couldn't stand his guts. They called him a betrayer. They called him a betrayer. And here he was, a very sensitive man, a loving man who had to say all these things. And we can see it all through, all through the book of Jeremiah. In the first 10 chapters, God gives Jeremiah uh, the, the, the basic blueprint of what's going to happen through the entire uh, uh, uh I'm trying to say book of Jeremiah. We see what's going to happen because God tells us. But then we also see what happens after that. We see that people betray Jeremiah's word. God's word is, is to say that. Also, we see that Jeremiah then is told by God what he's going to do. In the, the chapters of, of 30 and 32, God then tells, he tells Jeremiah that the people of Israel are going to return. He says to the people of Judah, excuse me, are going to return. He says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh, and I am going to bring them back from Babylon. He said, this is not over. He says, I'm going to bring them back. I'm not going to leave them there forever. I'm going to bring them back to the land. I'm going to be good to them. Now, they don't deserve it. Or they don't. They don't deserve God's love and compassion. But God gives them this promise that they're going to come back someday. But unfortunately, the people don't listen. And then, and then he goes on chapter after chapter telling people about what God said, but the people don't listen. And so as we get to chapter 37, and Jeremiah continues to warn people. And by the way, Jeremiah went through five, count them, five kings in his life. Throughout this time, five kings. But when we get to, to uh, chapter 37, he'd gotten to the last king at this time. And this is King Zedekiah. And Zedekiah was not the greatest of all. 
he was actually not even supposed to be the king. And Zedekiah wasn't heard Jeremiah, and he got angry. And when he heard this, he imprisoned Jeremiah, very angry at him. He imprisoned him because he heard what was going to happen. He had heard that Babylon was going to take them. And so therefore, he warned King Zedekiah. And as uh, he was being told all this, excuse me, Jeremiah warned Zedekiah. But before all this happened, Arajah had imprisoned Jeremiah, verses 16 through 21, and see what Jeremiah had to say to the king. Because the king told him he was not going to leave him, leave him in that prison for very long. Let's see what happens here. Verse 16 through 21 from chapter 37. For Jeremiah had entered the dungeon, that is, vaulted cell, and Jeremiah had remained there many days. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out, and the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any words from the Lord? See, so this is very interesting. He doesn't want him talking about God, doesn't want to have anything to do with him, yet he wants the word from God. He wants to know what God has to say. So they knew that Jeremiah was of God. They knew that Jeremiah knew what he was talking about because this is what people do. They may not believe in the Lord God, but yet they do believe in the Lord God. They may not have a connection with them. They may not have a relationship with them, but they believe in him. They know it's real. They know God is real. And they think the same with you, too. You follow the Lord God and they respect you for it. But they don't necessarily want to follow him themselves. But yet they come to you because they want to know exactly what God has to say. This is what he says here. Now, Jeremiah said there is. He said, then he said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Moreover, Jeremiah said to the king Zedekiah, you have sinned against you and against your servants or against this people that you have put me in prison. Where now are your prophets who prophesied to you, saying the king of Babylon will not come against you nor against this land? Therefore, now, please listen. O my Lord, the king, please let my supplication be accepted before you that you not cause me to return to the house of Jonathan, the scribe, lest I die there. And so the king did not make him go back. He put him into a courtyard so that he would not go back in that prison. But after that, after he put him in the courtyard, something else happens in chapter 38. And in chapter 38, something happened that I'm sure seemed like death itself. And we shall see here. We see that these men by the name of Chef. Uh, Shephatiah, Gedaliah, Jacal, and Pasher, they heard Jeremiah once again speaking to the people about what was going to happen, that they were going to be taken into Babylon because people don't want to hear the truth of God. And you know that. They don't want to hear the truth of God. So this is what happens. They heard this and they went to the king and they said to King Zedekiah, they said, here he is and he's spreading uh, discourse. He's spreading all sorts of turmoil and he needs to be taken care of. And he says that he's in your hands. He's in your hands. Do with him what you will. He's yours. And so you know what they did? They dropped him into a cistern. They dropped him into a cistern. That's right, a, a pit. Now, there was no water in this cistern. There was no water, and it was empty. However, there was mud, mud only. And when they dropped him into it, he started sinking into the mud. Can you imagine that? Here he was, following God with all his heart, with all his soul, and he was sinking deep into the mud. Now, let's read this. And this is chapter 38, verse 6. Let's see what it says here. It says, Then they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Malchajiah, the son of Hamalek, 
that was in the court of the prison, and they let Jeremiah down to the cords in a cistern. Uh, there was no water, only mud, and Jeremiah sank in the mud. So just as I said, but he was sinking in that mud. Now, I'm going to stop there for just a second. Can you imagine how it must have felt for him to be obedient to God? And now he was in a pit. He was in a pit, a literal pit, sinking in the mud. Now I bring this up to you because as we so very often go into the pits of despair, we so very often sink so deep into this, we can understand where Jeremiah was at in a literal sense. I'm sure, even though the Bible doesn't declare this, the Bible doesn't tell us, I'm sure that he was emotionally sinking, that he was emotionally feeling like he was all alone and that he was going to die. I don't know how deep this mud went, but I'm sure there's even part of him that was afraid that he was going to keep sinking until he drowned in the mud. I'm sure there's a part of him that thought he was even, God had left him all alone. And he was probably thinking that very question that this title is, which is, why me, Lord? Why me, Lord? Have I let you down? Have you left me alone? The very questions that we ask ourselves so very often, why me, Lord? And sometimes it's things that are far less deep as this, far less dangerous. Seemed like everything Jeremiah did left him to a pit, especially in this case. Do we feel that way today? I'm sure we do. Now, you may think that Jeremiah doesn't think these types of things, but we can look right now to the book of Lamentations, chapter 5, and hear what he has to say, because it was Jeremiah who laments. It's Jeremiah who wrote the book of Lamentations. And by the way, there's really nothing wrong with lamenting. God is there for us to talk to. That's what praying is, talking to the Lord God. You can lament to him. Now, we don't want to be blasphemous to God. Not, I want to explain this to you. I get very angry, very angry when I watch comedies, if you want to call them that, when people say blasphemous things about the Lord God, or you see comedians who say things about God, and when people use the Lord's name in vain and other things, and they say, and even... Sometimes people in the name of Christ will say things at times that can come off blasphemous. Be very careful how we speak to the Lord. He is the Lord God, and he is to be respected. But that doesn't mean you can't come to him and complain to him about what you're going through in life. God is there for that. He is there for you, and you can lament to him. That's what lamenting is. Let's see what he said in Lamentations chapter 5, verse 19 through 22. He says this, You, O Lord, remain forever. See how he's even repraising him in this moment? Because that's how we are to do. He says, your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever and forsake us for so long a time? Well, we know that God doesn't forsake us, but, but he means he feels this way. He says, restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are very angry with us. Do we not feel this way at times? Of course we do. Of course he feels this way. Now, I don't know if he felt that way in that pit. I don't know. But I know that we feel that way, and we probably feel like he did at that moment, or perhaps did. Perhaps we feel like we're in a pit right now. Has God forgotten me? Has God left me in a pit forever? Why me, Lord? We know Jeremiah was true. We know he was obedient. And yet there he was in a pit sinking, sinking in the mud. Maybe you feel that way today. Maybe spiritually you feel like you're sinking in the mud. Maybe physically. Maybe you're one right now who has this illness that's going on right now. 
Maybe you're one right now that financially you're having problems. Maybe right now emotionally you're having problems. Maybe right now spiritually you feel like you're all alone. Maybe you've been locked up in your house and you feel like you're in a pit because you've not been able to connect with people. I don't know. But I do know this, that you're not alone because we have something that Jeremiah didn't even have. Even though he could connect with the Lord God through prayer and supplication, I do know this, that we have Christ, the Lord God, living within our souls. Those of you who've asked Jesus Christ to live within you, you have something that he didn't have. And that is the Lord God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, living within you. You have that. We don't think of that. We don't think that stuff through. We have something, a wonderful gift that these people didn't have in the Old Testament days. This is a blessing, a gift, a wonderful gift of God. And we need to take advantage of it. We have the Word of God, the Bible, put in front of us. Do we take advantage of it? Are we too busy on other things? Are we too busy on our phones? Are we too busy on Netflix? Are we too busy on other things? By the way, there's nothing wrong with enjoying yourselves. However, we should enjoy ourselves in the Word as well. We should put ourselves with the Lord first. Let's look and see what happens. Let's look and see what happened. Verses 7 through 14. Because he doesn't stay in that pit, you see. He didn't stay there. Verse 7. Now, Amalek, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the cistern. Now the king was sitting in the gate of Benjamin, Ebed-Melech, went forth out of the king's house and spoke to the king, saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the cistern, and he will die by hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Take thirty men with you from here and take up Jeremiah the prophet, out of the cistern before he dies. And he did. And he stayed in the court. He did not die there. Now you might be thinking, well, the Lord, I don't know that the Lord God's doing that, but you don't know that he's not. Right now, God may be taking care of it right now, sending someone to take care of you. You have no idea what God has taken care of for you. Right now, we can see that the Lord God had it already taken care of. God was already sending someone to take care of Jeremiah. God was already sending someone to take care of Jeremiah. Jeremiah may not have been aware of it while he was sinking in the mud. We have no idea how long Jeremiah was in there. But we do know that God had someone already being sent to take care of him, get him out of there. And by the way, that's not all that happens in that chapter. Later on, Jeremiah speaks to the king and the king talks to Jeremiah and the Lord speaks to the king through Jeremiah. We'll talk about that another time. We won't do it today. But I'll tell you this, God continued to use him. God will continue to use you. Right now, you may feel emotionally and you may feel take care of you. Continue to be obedient. Continue to serve. Continue to be with Christ here and here. God will be with you. I promise you that. Now, let's continue to read. Continue to go on with the Lord here in Romans 5, 1 through 5. It talks about production of faith. Production of faith. Going through hard times is a production of faith. I promise you that. God promises you that. It says, therefore, Romans 5, 1 through 5, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And so, 
For we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also boast in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces patience. Patience produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, it's hard. It's hard when we're going through turmoil, when we're going through all this tribulation. It's hard to have hope, and it's hard to be joyful through it. It's hard to think, well, God's just doing this for me so, to get better. No, we don't think that way. We don't think it. We don't think that way at all. But we are to continue to keep our eyes on Christ. In fact, if anything, we're always saying, why, Lord? I don't get it. I don't understand. But this is where we need to have faith the most because God is trying to make us better than what we already are. If we just continue to stay where we're at, if we continue to be where we are, we're never going to be a better soldier for Christ. We're never going to be we're never going to be where uh, we could be. So let's now look at First Peter. First Peter, chapter one, verse six and seven. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now, if for a little while you have had to suffer various trials in order that the genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tried by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, people misunderstand this too. A lot of times when people read this, they actually look as if this scripture is calling you gold. The scripture is not calling you gold. It's not saying that you become gold by going through fire. It's actually talking about the gold of Christ coming through you. That the gold of Christ comes out through the fire. The best of Christ comes out of you through fire. We are the garbage, if you will, that comes off of the gold. We are to get rid of all the old us when we go through the fire. And that's why a lot of times we have to go through the tests. We have to go through the trials. And it's okay. I know it doesn't feel good when we're going through the trials. It feels terrible. Imagine right now all the trials that we have to go through in life. And right now you're probably thinking, Pastor, I'm going through them. Well, I know you are. And so am I. We're going through the trials together. All of us are. But you're not alone. Right now, you may feel like you're in a pit that you can't get out of and you have to keep falling back into it again and again and again. I understand that. I really do. But you're not alone. You will get out of that pit. God may be sending someone right now to get you out of there. Don't give up. Don't you give up. You keep serving. You hang on. You keep calling out to him in prayer. You keep reading the word. You hang on. Don't you give up. You may say, why me, Lord? Perhaps it's this very reason, because he wants what's best for you. And he's trying to get the best he can out of you, just like this gold. Keep hanging on. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not. God goes with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. First Peter 5, 6 and 7 says this, and this is what I will close us with. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you.
dearest, precious Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray right now for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering, who feel as if they have fallen so deeply into a pit of despair, into depression. Lord God, you know that I know how that is. They feel like they can't get up. They feel like, Lord, they're being held down. I pray you will help them. I pray, Lord, you will strengthen them this very day. Lord God, I also pray for those who are having physical problems. Lord, if there be anyone out there who, who are suffering from this terrible virus, I pray, Lord God, you will touch them right now and heal them, Lord God. Lord, I pray right now that you will just be with the doctors, that you'll be with all the people out there who are having to serve, whether it be through law or, Lord God, be through the people um, who are out there serving by, by taking care of the vehicles and other things. Lord, I pray that you be with them. Give them strength, Lord, and protect them, Lord. I also pray right now for all of those who love their families and are just concerned. I pray you will just protect them now, Lord, from fear. I pray right now, Lord, just for complete strength and spiritual strength, Lord God. I pray that we'll be able to read your word today and understand it. And Lord God, I pray right now, if there be anyone out there who does not know you, that upon this day, we will become your children. In Jesus' holy name, amen.